Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. Now, here is your host, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast presented by Denver Stiffs. I am your host, Adam Mares, and I'm seated across from a very, very, very talented young writer. She is the editor-in-chief of the University of Portland's Beacon. Is that right? That's, that is correct. This is the school journal. And she's also been interning and doing some great work with the Denver Post covering the Nuggets and a bunch of other stuff. It's Malika Andrews. Malika, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Absolutely. We're here at Jake Sports and Spirits recording live in our, our typical recording studio. Um, this is at 3800 Walnut Street in Rhino, Denver, Colorado. It is not a sports bar. It is the sports bar in the Denver metro area. They've got every single sporting event you could hope for. Boxing, soccer, basketball, football. What's going on right now? Baseball? Yep. <laughs> yeah, the Rockies. <laughs> How are the Rockies doing? Just uh, they're, they're struggling they're a struggling. little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, you can come here and watch the, the Rockies struggle. They've also got incredible food selection. I love eating here. They've got my favorite salad in the entire Denver area. Um, they got great wings, great burgers. So check them out. Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. Well, let's dive right into it. Um, so doing my research coming into this, you have quite a distinguished career for being so because you're still a college student right that i am that, i have a year left all right so this is where 32 year olds like me feel really bad about <laughs> what i've done with my life <laughs> but um so you you're the editor-in-chief of the the portland beacon yes um how long have you been doing that uh well i mean i i walked into the beacon at the beginning of my sophomore year of college i had no idea i wanted to be a sports writer i just knew i liked sports and i like to write and i just started living and breathing there because everyone needs an escape from homework and right. an excuse <laughs> to not do it right? right uh so i started there um i was promoted from a sports writer to um the sports editor and then from sports editor to editor-in-chief this past may and um we were a weekly paper and now we're going to be digital only um um, so I'm pretty excited for that uh, transition. That's cool. So are you – do you primarily want – is your goal to be a sports reporter or do you kind of want to do a lot of different types of journalism? Um, I like to say my goal is to become a powerhouse sports journalist. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> um, so uh, writing definitely is a platform that I want to continue with and I, I don't – 
think I could ever give up writing in the capacity that I know it now. Uh, but TV is definitely something else I'm interested in and just kind of the intersection of um, print media and digital media. That's cool. Um, I think like media is changing so much. Yeah. Like that's the crazy <laughs> thing is like if I was getting a journalism degree now, I would be I'd be like, what's the shelf life of this degree? Because yeah. who knows five years from now what what, me- what media is? Do you have like hot takes on the direction of media? So I decided to get a communication and business degree because ah, I was like, you know yeah. what? I'm, you know, enough people keep telling me that I shouldn't do this. And usually I just tell them like, all right, I, I, but I am. So right. like, what's your next piece of advice? Um, but I went, I went that route. And I mean – it's changing and that's and that's a great thing for people that are you know like me because i'm the target age demographic therefore i i think that i have a good understanding of what uh people like me want to see and read absolutely 100 percent. yeah like with me sometimes with social media even i'm like i don't these kids don't get me i don't know what's going on well let me like this is twitter adam (laughs) how does that work Please, please show me. Um, did you play sports coming up, or do you still play sports? Uh, yeah, I did. So my dad was uh, is a personal trainer, and so oh, it was wow. kind of like, all right, you're going to play everything right. until you're old enough to decide on one thing, and that's not until you're, like, 12. So I played soccer uh, from, like, peewee age. My first team was the Love Red Ponies because we couldn't <laughs> decide between the ponies and, like, I don't even know. Sounds about right. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, but we were great. We were undefeated our first year, and, yeah. Yes, I still remember that, even though I was five. Um, and I wrote, I rode horses competitively for like oh. a long time, actually. Um, you and Nikola Jokic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I just, I settled on volleyball, and and I played basketball for a little bit, and then I settled on volleyball and sports and um, horse riding, and then horse riding, and now I just kind of play pickup for fun. Nice. Horse riding. So you still do this? Do you own a horse? I did. I sold him my sophomore year of college because horses are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents are like, if you're going to get one, you have to pay for it. So, you know, journalism and owning a horse didn't really go hand in hand. That's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> you and you and Jokic have that in common. Did you ask him about that by chance? Did no, you ever bring up I horses? Need to. Yeah, now you need now to. Now I need to. Apparently, he grew up to go into the stables every day, wanted to be a jockey. He would have been like the only yeah, seven foot jockey. Yeah, I think he would be jockey. the tallest <laughs> jockey in the world. He would have been like in the Guinness Book. Of world right. <laughs> dragging his feet on the sides as he did. he did, he'd need a Clydesdale. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. So we just we were both at summer league. First of all, how long were you at summer league? I know you got in on Thursday, yeah. so you were there for the opening. Yeah, so I was there for five days. So I was there for all of their uh, opening games before the tournament. Gotcha. Yeah. So you left Tuesday. Yes. Okay. Cool. So I was there same basically the same Friday till Wednesday. Saw the Nuggets games. Was this your first summer league? Yes, it was my first summer league. All right. What do you think? It was hot. Well, <laughs> it is Vegas in July. It was, it was Vegas in July, but it was fun. Um, it was really interesting to see all the young talent, especially because this year's draft was uh, interesting with the number one pick not having been in the tournament. So I hadn't seen him right. as much with Ben Simmons. Um, so it was it was really good to kind of see that, get a feel for uh, different players and kind of start building those relationships uh, with them, which you and I know is important to do if you want to get anywhere. Absolutely. Oh, that's I love summer league and it's funny. I'm almost defensive of it because there's just like it's I always say it's the Comic Con of of the NBA because it's not for every NBA fan. It's a very narrow type of fan. It's a niche. It's a yeah, niche. It's I would a niche say so. piece of entertainment. 
And it's so weird. Like, there's so many bizarre things that happen at Summer League. Like, there's a mariachi band one night for Noche Latina. Mm -hmm. But they just play during the game. Like, yeah. <laughs> just out on the concourse. Yeah, Fully like, in their mariachi yeah. suits, too. And, it's so, it's, and there's so many jerseys out there. I mean, like, the most random jerseys you could think of. Or, uh, that was definitely one of the best parts was, like, jersey sightings yeah. of, like, old jerseys. And making me think, like, dang, I should have brought out my, you know, Mike Dunleavy Warriors jersey or right. something like that. No, you would have. That would have been like not <laughs> obscure enough. You'd no, have to go even more. No, you have to go even more. Yeah, but it's a cool event. Like I, I really like it. It's for guys like me. And then as a media member, um, it's just so much fun because you're there with all of the writers. I mean, it's like Twitter in real life in a lot of ways <laughs> because yeah. all those people you tweet at every day, all day long, are are sitting next to you, and I just have a blast with it. And then on top of that, the NBA did a cool thing. They sent out a video. And it was all of these, like, great players mm -hmm. at Summer League. So I had LeBron and Kevin Durant and stuff. And it's kind of cool to go back and look and say, I mean, even this class, the next LeBron or the next big star played in this. We might not know who it was. Probably Ben Simmons would be our leading candidate. But all these guys we get to see before their household names. And yeah. it's, it's I think Denzel cool. Valentine might have something to say that, about that. Is that but, your boy? Yeah. But, he was I mean, good. it was cool seeing all the, you know, all the players on the walls. Uh, you know, they played a lot of, like, highlight roles of, of guys, that, you know, like Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard, uh, and their summer league debut. So it was cool to kind of see that and be like, cool, like, I'm a part of this. And longtime Stiff's listener Corey Carlson was out there, actually, and it was his first summer league, and I texted him after – after he left and asked him what he thought. And he's like, I'm coming every year. Yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's, like I said, it's not for everyone. If you're a casual Nuggets fan or casual NBA fan, you're probably not going to be that excited because the basketball is like not that great. But it's just so, it's a lot of fun. You get to sit close. So I love Summer League. I'm, yeah. I'm very defensive of it <laughs> when, yeah. when people are like, it's stupid. I'm like, no, it's not. Well, it's I absolutely agree with Corey. <laughs> I mean, I'm like already like, all right, so when do the plane tickets come out so I can go again next right. year? <laughs> exactly. She's going to book your, your flight a year in advance. Exactly. I like it. Um, so let's go to some specifics about the Nuggets here. Uh, you watched so three of their games. Yes. Um, they were actually three really different games because one game Moutier and Gary Harris played, one game uh, Jimmer went off, mm -hmm. and then the next game was kind of like I think more typical of our, our summer league guys mm -hmm. like Wancho and them stood out. So what, what stood out to you, just big impressions of the team? What things did you notice? Um, well, it was really interesting to see uh, Gary Harris and Emmanuel Moutier on the court with Jamal Murray and yeah. kind of see how that dynamic worked. Um, and then it was interesting to see Jamal take uh, – you know, he's kind of been branded as a shooter coming right. into this. And it's it's been interesting to see him not just be uh, a shooter, but a scorer and a uh, a distributor. You know, he really – he's able to run the offense really well, right. which I thought was something that I, I wasn't expecting because I just expected him to come in and take wild shots and shoot the lights, which right. he did in his 29-point performance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he also showed some, some, some other things. Um, Wancho was another one that kind of stood out to me that I thought was interesting because in this first game, he struggled to kind of, you know, maybe find that pace of playing in the NBA with NBA caliber players. Right. And then his second game was just day and night. Right. You know, he came out, he started seeing, um, it's kind of the biggest thing for me that I, when I watch a lot of college ball versus NBA, um, 
NBA players can see where the ball is going to right. be, and that's when you get those fancy alley oops and all that kind of thing. So uh, he definitely kind of started to come into that a little bit. I think more. with Wancho, I think it even happened in the first game. I mean, it was a, it was a whole progression. I think the mm-hmm. last game was his best, and the first mm-hmm. game was his worst. But even that first game, the first play was an alley oop that Dunn threw down, yeah. and it was Wancho who screwed up the pick and roll cover. <laughs> like it was a backside screen. Wancho yep. got lost, and it was like, okay, your first play. Welcome to the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of had a couple of those moments in that first game. He got knocked down on one just because Payne muscled him, almost murdered him with a dunk. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. but, but he was a tough kid. He was a, he was a lot of fun to watch. To Jamal Murray, one of the things I, th- I think with him, he's a much more not serious basketball player, but I think just a serious guy mm-hmm. than maybe some of the other guys there And that I feel like he was very focused for this and very – he was taking it very seriously, and mm-hmm. he was frustrated after game two because he didn't play very well in game mm-hmm. two. And um, he took some of the matchups personally, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And so it was kinda, it's kind of cool. to. This was the first chance to get to know these guys' personalities pretty well because you see how they respond to different game situations. Right. And Jamal really is, you know, all basketball all the time yeah. kind of his thing, kind of a thing. His dad was out there, um, and his dad is someone who – that's basketball was between Jamal and his dad. His mom kind of – they told me that they, she just kind of – supports but she kind of stays out of it a gotcha. little bit that's the kind of thing that they have and he and he was raised you know all basketball all the time no cell phone until you know just a couple months ago wow. we're going to really focus on you know if this is what you want to do you're going to focus at being really really good at it right. um and at first, you know, it's hard to see that as being a, a personality trait, but it is. You know, basketball is a personality trait right. for Jamal, um, and it shows on the court. I think he's going to be really helpful to the Nuggets and what they need depth-wise. I think that's really interesting, and, and I've heard some of these things about him because of his dad and the kung fu stuff and mm-hmm. meditation, but also with basketball. But it isn't. I think you're absolutely right about that. He's he's a fun personality. It's not like he's mm-hmm. he's too buttoned up or anything like that, but you could tell that basketball is serious to him, mm-hmm. and, and he – He's the kind of guy that losing would, I think, is going to drive him crazy. Not yeah. playing is going to drive him crazy, which might, you know, for this first year will be kind of interesting to see how he deals with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he was a lot of fun. Uh, let's go into – let's talk a little bit about Jamal Murray's game. One of the things I thought about him – one of the critiques going in was that he was not that athletic and not that um, quick. He didn't mm-hmm. create separation, and I thought that was also the case in Summer League. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you noticed as well? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think that um, sometimes he, when he saw the play getting away from him, he let it get away from him a little bit as opposed to trying to put himself in front of it. And I think that uh, showed a little bit on defense as yeah. well when he would try to, you know, um, take on these bigger guys and he'd uh, have some, he'd have a little bit of trouble with that. And he was out of position, like you said, for that yeah. first game. I think it was rough. And then the second game, Jimmer going off kind of stole, I think, at the, the second game, they just gave the ball to Jimmer a lot, let him score because yeah. he was rolling. Um, so I think it took him a little bit to get going. But um, I do wonder about the, – the one thing I'll say is I went in after the first two games and said, this guy's going to struggle to create separation in the NBA, and that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Then he scored 20 points <laughs> for the next three games yeah. <laughs> and dominated. But he didn't create separation. I mean, he had a few drives to mm-hmm. the rim, but he scored anyway. And so that was – after that, I thought, okay – He's going to be a good player despite not being able to create separation. And once he, once he figures out how, 
it'll really take off for him. Well, and I think, you know, especially in college, you don't have to as much. In college, it's a lot of uh, one-on-one, man-to-man, not playing any kind of zone defense a lot of the time. And so I don't think he's maybe used to that, and it's worked for him so far. So (laughs) it might take for it to stop working before he has to make some adjustments to his game because for now, you know, like you said, he's putting up 20 points consistently, and it's all going to be okay. I think my favorite moment of the whole summer league was the game against Miami when Damian Lee... And him were going back and <laughs> forth. And and he actually had kind of a quiet game going into the third quarter mm-hmm. or something. And he comes down and he hits a shot. And then Damian Lee comes down and does something. And they just start barking at each other. And I thought it was the coolest moment because he just took over the game. And he went on like an 8-0 run all by himself and was chirping so loud. Yes. Like the whole yes. gym could hear him yelling at yes. Damian Lee. Yeah. And, you know, like you said about personality, I think that's the point where you really saw his competitive edge come out because he wanted the whole gym to know that it was between him and Lee. There was no one else on the floor as far as he was concerned. And afterwards, I was like, what was that about? And he just goes, Kentucky, Louisville, and walks away. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that till just now, but that's hilarious. And the funny part is they're even wearing the same colors. I think they had the light blue and the red going Mm -hmm. because of the heat. Um, that's, That's hilarious. I kind of like that, though. Yeah. I, li- I really love that rivalry sense to him. Yeah, he definitely is. How much did you get to talk to him? Because I actually have only interviewed him at the I, – I didn't interview him at Summer League. I interviewed him at the press conference and got to know him a little bit. But how much did you get to talk to him at Summer League? Um, I, talked to him, I talked to him quite a bit at Summer League. I tried to go over and talk to them before every game just to try to get a sense of, you know – nervous not so much and uh he told me he was nervous in game one but that's not something you know i, I love that though know, he wants be, to yeah you know what though it's cool to be i think that if you're not ner- if you say you're not nervous 99 percent of the time you're lying right. or 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 you don't have the right sense of the moment right. right you should be nervous going into a game yeah and then he said you know he kind of got rid of those butterflies a- a- after game two when we were walking out and after game two actually i i missed him when i was trying to talk to nah. him after game two so i ran across the court to try to get him and he was um doing his uh taking like photos of his avatar for for nba 2k so i like watched him like do his bow and arrow and all that kind of thing and it kind of seemed like almost he was that was getting treated like a superstar a little bit you know he did his post-game media and he rushed off to do the you know the 2k kind of a thing and then you know he had to go to another interview and it was kind of interesting to see him get that credit a little bit because i think that um that's something that he he's had but maybe wasn't as used to kind of a thing so i think he's he's kind of learning how to deal with that because he's quiet and he's going to need to come out of his shell if he's going to be um you know a star player because you have to have a personality so that people people want to be able to get to know you and relate to you and i wonder if that's a kentucky thing because i know that they spend a lot of time about how do you approach the media and Mm -hmm. this or that and the media in denver by the way that covers the nuggets it's so different than almost every other media because there are less than a dozen of us almost for games yes. and then for practices there's two or three of us there mm-hmm. whereas like the lakers who are worse record than the nuggets are going to have 30 different people there covering right. them so it's kind of funny because with these guys and i see it with emmanuel a little bit too that they come into the league and they're pretty unfiltered really really shy but they're pretty unfiltered and and don't they don't know how to get out of questions i guess i would say not that anybody's ever trying to trap them but they don't know how to just give the Oh, both teams played hard, right. you know, whatever, rush yeah. off. But Jamal's really good at that already. Yeah. He's, he's coming in like a veteran when yeah. it comes to – Well, he, and it's also almost sometimes like he has headphones on. Like if he doesn't want right. to talk, he's going to keep walking. But yeah. I think he's starting to understand kind of that balance. And I think that like 
he got me like six or seven times. He'd tap me on one shoulder and I'd look over it and he'd be on the other one. And so like he's silly. Like okay. I think he is a silly little That's like funny. I think people forget also that these guys are, you know, nineteen years old. A hundred percent. And so that's part of it. He's gotta kinda come out of his shell in a very big way on a very big stage. That was another one of my takeaways from last year. I, I've been now credentialed for a year and a half with the Nuggets, and so I'm I'm still kind of learning the way locker rooms work and this and that. And that was one of my big takeaways last year. Almost every game, I'd walk out and think, "This dude's 19 years old, mm-hmm. and he's got a bunch of adults asking him hard questions about how he just lost a game, mm-hmm. and he's 19." Yeah. And, I'm, and I think the same thing for Murray. But one of the other takeaways, we'll get on to Wancho here in a second. But one of the other takeaways from this was just how close the team was, and I don't think it can be overstated i don't it, it was a little bit like this last year but it was really just Moutier and Jokic and a little bit of harris but but this team really seems to wancho peter mm-hmm. nurkic was there gary harris all these guys seem to like they were intense on the bench when they weren't in the game like excited for each other and you know someone i also want to you know bring a little bit of attention to is malik beasley who oh my is, goodness 100 you know, who was injured um well recovering from uh surgery uh he'll be you know, he was already he was out there. He was putting up shots before the game, but he was the first person up off the bench, pretty much after every point that was scored. You know, just always wanted to be the first one up, giving high fives in the timeout. It seems like he really part of it maybe is because he's from a family of actors who really wants to you know <laughs> get a get in there. But like, I don't think that's he, it. <laughs> he was like, it just seems like such a genuine thing, and seeing 100%. him and uh, Emmanuel and Gary Harris all on the bench together, um, and different kind of guys coming in and out, like you said, to watch. But I just thought Malik Beasley was co- it was cool to watch him on the bench. You're absolutely right with him, and he deserves credit for that. I have no idea what kind of NBA player he is because I've only ever seen highlights. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually watch Florida State last year. But I'll tell you, he's going to be an all-NBA teammate because you can already tell. And like you said, you can tell if it's genuine or not, partly just with the consistency. This dude, Malik, was like, for five days that I was out there, was yeah. like so intense and like so high-fiving <laughs> and stuff. And it's like, man, this dude is like the ultimate teammate. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see Gary Harris and uh, Manu Moody are at USA Basketball Camp on the select team right now. And they were telling me, you know, how good of friends they've gotten to be oh, that's this awesome. past year, texting, you know, three to five times a week. Um, and they've gotten really close. And uh, Emmanuel was so happy when Gary Harris, found, when he found out Gary Harris was also going to be on the USA basketball team. So I think that'll be really interesting to see that chemistry kind of come back and what they can teach the young guys. And we say young guys, but, you know, Emmanuel's, <laughs> Emmanuel's 20. Right. He's like, a, I'm a 20-year-old vet. He jokes. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> but it is kind of true. And, yeah. and honestly, you see that with Emmanuel. That was another thing that stuck out for me. This year was Moutier is a shy guy, I think, but just by personality. I don't know him that well, but just being around him in the locker room and stuff, he seems kind of shy. And he's come out of his shell so much, it seems, and he's so much more vocal. And as weird as it is to be one year older and be a vet, he really does seem like the vet of this summer league group, at least. Even with Nurkic, he seemed like the vet of Nurkic at at, at times. Yeah, and I think he's come out as being a little bit chattier. And, like, I think you're starting, like, again, starting to see that personality, you know, dancing around, um, you know, especially when you, when you watch him with his teammates, when he's not, you know, talking to you or me. Right. It's, you can kind of start to see just how much he cares yeah. uh, about those guys. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm, I'm so excited for this team. Let's, let's talk about Wancho. He's a guy that I knew even less about. Mm-hmm. I saw a handful. I, saw, I, I watched the Draft Express videos, and then I saw a few other, like, workout videos and read some things, but didn't know anything about his game. 
a lot of fun to watch. What what is your take on Wancho and what you saw from him? Uh, I mean, I thought he was a lot of fun. I thought that in the first game it took him a little bit to get going, but once he started to be able to read the court a little bit better, there was really no stopping him. He put up consistent numbers. I'd almost I'd almost compare it to like a um like an uh, like almost like a Andre Godal type numbers, oh, just like yeah. this, like consistently. I can see him eight, being a yeah. consistent <laughs> ten and eight guy, right? Yeah. Um, that and gave, that's so valuable. Yeah, <laughs> consistency is something that's huge, especially on such a young team. And I think it'll take him a little bit to get there. But even at summer league, you could see, you know, what what you were gonna get. He was a guy who was going to score. He was going to take it in the paint, and that's you know you need a little bit of that. It'll be a little bit better when he's got a little bit more muscle on him so he can, you know, take it to guys. I was shocked that they have him listed at 230 pounds. And I don't think that's – I'm like – so I'm like 240. I'm (laughs) 6'5", 240. I'm looking at him and I'm like – I'm 6'5", too. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm looking at him and thinking like there's no way that guy weighs as much as me. He's got to be like 20 pounds lighter. You know, he's he's long and and a little thin, but he – I think I think he can be quite I think he can be quite the player. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with him. So on that, it's been an interesting topic of conversation in Nuggets land. What do you think is best for him in terms of bringing him over now versus stashing him in Europe somewhere? Um, well, I, I, I do think that with like the guys like Nurkic on on the team, he's going to obviously get less less playing time. I think that uh, the problem with him coming over is just that the Nuggets do have a lot of guys that are like him. You know, they mm-hmm. have a lot of um, uh, uh, they have a lot of foreign uh, big guys. Right. Um, and so I think that coming over, he could probably learn something from those guys. And I also think that the best way to learn to play in the NBA is to play in the NBA. A hundred percent. So I think he, you know, either going to the, if they had a D, if they had a D league affiliate, yep. I'd say that's where he needed to <laughs> right. be. This is where it really hurts the Nuggets because they actually have a handful of guys that I think would be great D-League products. Like Malik mm-hmm. Beasley, I don't know how much he's going to play next year, but it would be nice to send him down for two or three games, mm-hmm. watch him score 40 points, and be like, oh, this is exciting. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, you just exactly. keep his confidence in, his, in, in it going. But I wrote a big article on Tuesday at, on DenverStiffs.com arguing – I actually tried to just present both sides, but my own personal opinion is that he definitely absolutely 100% should come over now. Because and I you're th- not definitely 100%. You're not, you're, that's just like kind of an opinion. Right? Yeah, that's just kind of a <laughs> casual opinion. And the whole thing is I'm a big guy. I, 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 don't, I don't hate college basketball as a product. I just don't think it's very comparable to the NBA. I think it's so different. And the European game, I think, is very similar. I got an interview Wancho a couple times actually out there, and he said himself the hardest thing that he didn't expect, or not that he didn't expect, but the biggest difference is speed the the speed of play everything's happening so fast um and that's just something you can't replicate in Europe yeah. the other thing is you mentioned how consistent he is he was a guy that they didn't really run a ton of plays for he just makes plays offensive rebounds cuts to the rim what have you on offense that would be his role if he comes to Denver if he goes somewhere in Europe he might be the go-to scorer right and now you're developing a skill set that maybe isn't exactly what he's going to be at least to start his NBA career right. so I'm 100% of the opinion that, that he'll do better sitting on the bench and playing 300 total minutes next year than he would. And getting into practice, getting into their uh, rotation that they have, you know, I think that that would be really valuable for him. Um, and you t- we, we talked earlier about the camaraderie and Moutier's growth, and it took him a year to kind of come out of his shell. Because mm-hmm. the locker room, Moutier's teammates with Jameer Nelson, who's 33, 34 years old. That doesn't happen in real life very often. 
So it takes, I think, a little bit of an adjustment to like get 19-year-olds to become friends right. with 34-year-olds. And I don't think – if he goes to Europe, he misses an entire year of that team-building, friendship-building type thing. So mm-hmm. I'd love to see him over here. Yeah. Um, I do wonder what his skill set is because, like you said, he makes a, a ton of plays. He's a great offensive rebounder. I think he's probably a power forward ultimately, but I think he'll start out as a 3-4 combo. Um, and then – I, I think he can be an off-ball player more than an on-ball player, mm-hmm. but but we'll see. Let's move on to Peter, though, because he's such an interesting guy. Yeah. Uh, I got to talk to – did you get to talk to him a little bit I out there? I talked to him very little out yeah. there. Yeah. He, he's an introspective – first of all, his English is way better than I thought. Oh, because his the, English is incredible. It's better than mine, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the press conference, he didn't speak up much because I think mm-hmm. he kind of let everybody else do the talking. Mm-hmm. But out there, when I got him one-on-one, he was really – he was the opposite of Jamal Murray in that he was so open and honest with mm. it. And I'd even ask him about the physicality. Oh, I got pushed around a lot. <laughs> you know, like, okay. You know. Thanks for being honest. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't sugarcut it. Uh, what, what are your big takeaways from, from the, the Peter Cornelie experience? Um, you know, I think at some points he was a little bit overshadowed by uh, someone like Wancha's performance. But there were uh, – like he had some glimpses of good moments. I think that um, they were – kind of looking at getting drafted at that spot. You're kind of looking for, you're not looking for a finished product, right. Here. Right. <laughs> you know, deep in the second round, you're kind of looking for, uh, Someone to someone to polish off. They keep of saying like w- one, probably two years in Europe. And I keep thinking like, man, that's a long time. I'm going to forget about long him. Time. I feel like it's like a one year thing. Yeah. A one year stint in Europe, I think would be good just for him to kind of maybe develop his game a little bit more. And, um, not get pushed around right. so much and he's another one i think that would do well getting uh just hitting the gym a little bit more getting a little bit bigger i think that would help with being pushed around but i don't see a, a space for him right now in the nuggets rotation just what they're with what they're trying to do and i also think right now it's 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 hard because um of where the league is going in terms of being a shooter's right. league and i didn't see a ton of his shooting skills in summer league they talked about him as a shooter at the draft and mm-hmm. kind of coming in and then i don't know if he made it oh, no he did make one corner three yeah. i remember he <laughs> hit one so he might have won yeah. but uh outside of that yeah he wasn't really outside on the perimeter a whole awful lot well, dynamic and being dynamic as as a big yeah. a big dude now is, is kind of so important with what the golden state warriors kind of started right. and you know what even the Cavs kind of started to do more when they, you know, tried LeBron at the five kind of a thing, but that's kind of right. a whole different animal. But like, I, I think right now his game is a little bit flat and he just needs to be more, a little bit more well-rounded. And I think that's something that he can absolutely do. And he seems like a kid who has all four of these guys actually seem like really, they have really great work ethics. Right. So I don't think it's out of the question that he can do it. I do think two years seems a little long. Though. Yeah. Well, you know, the Nuggets drafted a guy, Nikola Radicevich, I'd say a year ago. Yeah, last mm-hmm. year. And the whole idea was that stash him and maybe bring him over. And now he's not coming over this year again right. because he got injured last year. And it's almost like at a certain point you kind of just forget about guys. And yeah. like, all right, now he's 23 and okay, whatever. Yeah. And that happens a lot. And maybe what was Peter? I think the 53rd pick. The odds of a 53rd pick ever p- stepping on a quarter are probably 50-50 anyway mm-hmm. for any minute. So I really enjoyed him, though. I'm re- it's kind of funny because only recently have I been a guy that follows the 56 pick in the NBA. Like, <laughs> I, I think most people don't. And I'm kind of like, you know, I want to watch wherever he ends up next year. I want to watch that team, at least highlights of it, and mm-hmm. check in and see how he's doing because 
it will be fun, I think, just to track his progress right. as the year goes on. Uh, you did bring up a, another great point, though. You talked about work ethic and this whole group being a, a, a hardworking team. Now, I happened to get my credential at the height of the Brian Shaw era, <laughs> and that team had not everyone, but there were two or three apples, bad apples in there that I think mm-hmm. weren't very hardworking individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. Both the hardworking nature, but also the competitive nature of guys like Moutier, Murray, Gary Harris. I think these guys are going to be going at each other, not as friends, but going at each other and, oh, I'm at the gym at 6. Oh, okay, I'll meet you there. Yeah. I, I'm at there at 5.30 or whatever. And I think it would be a cool little com- healthy competition. I think especially also with so many guys playing the same or similar positions mm-hmm. or interchangeable positions, it's going to force um, all of them to work harder to keep this to keep their game where they want it to be, whether that's uh, a starting spot or being the first guy off the bench, that kind of a thing. And I think there's a, a healthy competition that can come there. But even, you know, at summer league practices, you and I saw uh, Jamal Murray was putting up shots with Malik Beasley, who's injured. Right. So it seems like they also want to kind of help each other oh, for along sure. a little bit. Oh, for sure. And I think that's really... I think I, think that's really I do think Mike Malone has a Michael Malone has a has a little <laughs> bit of a, a difficult year ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Just in that, it's going to start off, I think, all sunshine and rainbows. And I think as the year goes on, it's going to become more and more. Well, this guy's ahead of me in the rotation. And I got to beat him, but we're the same age. And I think I think the competition aspect of that will become very interesting. And not just not just for Coach Malone, but also for. We're going to get into some like roster spots things right now, but I think it's going to be hard for Tim Connolly too because at some point he's going to have to pull the trigger and say, this is our two guard. Right. This and is our backup, and this is a guy that doesn't fit anymore. And that's something that's really interesting because both uh, Michael Malone and <laughs> Tim Connolly have been very adamant that Gary Harris is the starting two guard and his spot is – and they've repeated it you know, multiple times. And I'm not saying that I don't believe them. I do, but I don't think that's going to be something that's cemented for a oh, long of period of time. Of and so when does that conversation need to happen? Is it going to be a year? Is it going to be halfway through the season? And how um, how how are they going to be able to deal with, kind of with that transition? I think Gary Harris gets the nod for a whole year. I mean, unless he's just absolutely terrible, and I don't expect that of him. He's a pretty consistent player himself. I think he gets one whole year of, like, this is our guy, and then the tough part comes reevaluating next summer. So then the question that... that, that kind of comes up in my head then is does Gary still have room for growth this next season or is he kind of starting to look at the ceiling of kind of where he is he's a very good right. player but is he going to burst through and be something special and I think they see Jamal as having maybe a little bit more of like a special shot or something right. special about him um, Gary's consistent but is consistent going to uh be what they want to take them to the next level. I think you're, that's 100%. The, that'll be one of the more interesting storylines, too. And, I, and I'll be honest. I'm rooting for Gary. I really <laughs> like Gary. I like Gary. He did everything <laughs> he was asked last year. And I don't know. I would say it's a coin flip for me right. just as a, scout, as a scout. If I'm scouting, saying, is does he have another level to go to? I'd say, I don't know. Yeah. But I hope he does. And I hope he reaches it because I think hard. it'd be great. It's hard because, like, he's – that's the hardest part probably from a management standpoint is when a guy does everything right. And right. It's still like we have this other person. I, right. I think he's going to stand out on the defensive end a lot more than he did last year. Uh, let's move on again to Mike Miller just signed a deal. He's coming back for two years. Mm-hmm. Mike Miller, by all accounts, one of the greatest teammates in the history of basketball. Right. I, I think it keeps going. They're doubling down on this healthy locker room thing helps mm-hmm. development for everyone thing. What do you make of the signing? Well, I think that it has to be a locker room thing because when you look at his stat line, it's not, you know, you can't 
honestly. Right. Um, he had a like career low in minutes last year, and I think that's just because they brought in a lot of you know they brought in a younger talent. Um, and I think he's a hundred percent cool with that too. Yeah. By the way, I think he, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he the, he was considering retiring, and then you know they offer him. Some, uh, some money and right. a chance to still be kind of living your dream. Like who right. wouldn't want to do that for another year? You know what I mean? You talk about Malik Beasley as the guy, him and Mike Miller are going to have a competition for best bench guy this year. Cause Mike, <laughs> Mike's going to be a great competition. It's going to be a phenomenal one. I think, it, it, you know, I think Mike Miller may have some tricks to teach Malik about towel waving. Or yeah, that, but, yeah. but Mike Miller is Sit funny because every time there was a timeout, Mike Miller would come at least to half court. Like, you know, he'd come from the bench all the way to half court to high five guys. Like, he would jog. So that means Malik's going to go all the yeah. way to the other baseline. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to start high-fiving the other team's players. Exactly. And I hope Malik gets more minutes, by the way. I, I hope he actually plays a lot this season. But the way the front office talks about him, he's probably a guy that's going to get 300, 400 minutes this year, mm-hmm. which is just for reference, I think that's roughly what Mike Miller played last year. So he's, he's not going to get a whole lot of minutes. But, but I don't think that's going to bother him, uh-huh. really. I think he's a grateful kid is what it yeah. kind of seems like. And he he uh, embraces a little bit of the role of the underdog. And so I think uh, he understands it with so many great guards on this team that that'll yeah. work for him. But, um, yeah, going back to Mike Miller, I think, I think he's definitely – I mean, even in the statement the Nuggets released today – Tim Connolly mentioned how good of a locker room guy that he right. is. So I definitely think that's part of it. And then also you got to have some anchors um, in a team where the median age is five. Right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know that I'm spec- purely speculating here, but I'm guessing Mike Miller has a way just because I've heard stories about how he connects with every LeBron talked about in Miami. It was amazing the way that, mm-hmm. All, he have a different relationship with all 14 guys on the team because mm-hmm. he just knows how to talk to everyone. And I think that's probably – Jameer Nelson, I think, is a leader by example type. Right. And maybe like a confrontational leader in that if there's a confrontation, he can step in. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's like a guy that talks to everyone right. every single day. And yeah. Check texts. Well, and then also in theory, he's the he's the championship win. Like he's the, the like championship winner. You know, he brings the rings. He's got he's my got that experience. He's got my favorite quote because I asked him <laughs> something when he first got here. My first interview with him, uh, I asked him. I said, "What is it? You know, you're going to be there's some guys that have some winning experience here, but a lot of guys that don't." And he interrupted me with a big smile on his face. And he goes, "You know, from my perspective." Nobody on this team has any winning right, experience. Exactly. And he said it in such a not a jerk way. It was like very like he I'm sure he's the kind of guy that has a way of saying something like that that doesn't sting. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I guess you are right. Yep. <laughs> so I mean and that counts for something. Yeah. It does. It doesn't matter when it was or how how much of a role he played in it, which he did play a, a oh, yeah. pretty significant role in those wins. But uh I think that's important. I think that's something that younger kids respect. Yeah. And so earning that respect is something that's important. All right, let's move on to uh, to a lightning round here. We've covered all of our summer league topics, lots of fun stuff, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to share all of your worst opinions about <laughs> basketball. Great, completely unashamedly. <laughs> so I'll start with favorite player in the favorite current player in the NBA. Steph Curry. Why? I'm born and raised in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were a Portland fan, though. So you're a Warriors no, fan. No, I'm a Warrior. I, gr- I grew up a Warriors fan. I, as someone once told me, like, fandom's what gets you in the door, and right. it's the first thing that has to go once you're in it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up I grew up a Warriors fan. I was sad when Steph Curry replaced Monte Ellis in the really? starting lineup. I wasn't – God. I wasn't <laughs> old enough to really understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Uh, so, yeah, it was Baron Davis. Now it's Stephen Curry. Gotcha. All and right. Draymond Green. 
Really? Yes, Draymond Green. Actually, I have, I have, I've, I've worn it twice because I don't really wear jerseys. But the only jersey I own is a Draymond Green really late night black Warriors jersey. Yeah, I like Draymond I too. By the way, somewhere. Draymond's for some reason his cockiness and trash talk doesn't so offend me. Real. Like, yeah, that's he's the thing. So is, real. And a part of it is he he's gotten people have gotten the better of him mm-hmm. in the league, and he like. Owns it. And then part of me is like, if you're going to track trash, I kind of like when you own it. And It's definitely Draymond 1, Steph 2. Really? Yeah. Okay, I mean, so we just sw- she yeah. switched I, it, a flip-flop it, it, already. I, I mean, I... Oh, yeah, it's Draymond 1. <laughs> I don't have Steph's jersey. I do uh, have Draymond's. And I, I, but I also have Mike... I, I also have Andres Beendren's jersey. So oh, my God. That says about me. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. <laughs> um, let me, what about favorite uh, player of all time? Is that still those guys? Oh, okay. Can I use players that didn't play when I? Of course, okay. yeah. There's no, there's no players. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, the old Isaiah Thomas. Okay. He's my mother's favorite player, so like I watched a lot of like highlights. That's interesting. Of him. Cool. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Zeke. Uh, Kareem. Okay. Uh, he's really, you're the player. only person I've ever met yeah, that likes Kareem. <laughs> I do. I really like Kareem's game. I mean, I know, I know it's, you know, but I He do. should be, like, easily in everybody's top five, and yeah. I feel like he's not because so many people just don't like him. He, or, or... I, I don't, like, I can't even, like, I don't care. I really? Just, yeah. yeah. You know. No, he's a stud. Uh, yeah. So those are probably two. Okay. And uh, Michael Jordan. I have to give nods to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Oh, <laughs> you know what's funny? I think the... The same thing happened a bit with Kobe for me that happened with Michael and that the people, the, the narrative around those guys was so obnoxious to me that it almost pushed me the other direction. Yeah, it's kind of hard because I feel like you have to you have to give him a nod because he's, you know, the greatest of all time. But um, no one ever said anything. It's hard to connect with him because no one ever said anything right. remotely not 100% great about him. Right. And it's really hard to be a, a, a totally 100% great person. Right. So... Yeah. yeah, I read the Jordan rules. There's one guy that didn't say some, some <laughs> great things, but that's that's about it. Um, favorite Denver Nuggets storyline for the upcoming season? Oh, it's definitely going to be Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. Ooh, okay. I don't know if that storyline will blossom this year, but it it will be one coming up, and you will. It'll, it's almost like the prequel to that story, yeah. but yeah, I think that's just. I think they're going to be. I think maybe not on the surface. There'll be. There won't be things like that are like overt. But I uh, think that's like that's setting its roots this year. Gotcha. What did you think of? I, I should have asked you. This is a follow up to the Warriors nonsense. But <laughs> what did you? Nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. Easy. Oh, I didn't what, say Wilt now, yeah. now my wheels are turning. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> what, did, what did you think of the Kevin Durant signing? Like. What are all of your thoughts about that? All of my thoughts. You sure you <laughs> in, in, a, in, in a lightning <laughs> round type of way. All right. Uh, my thoughts. My first thought is that it was like a ninety ten or no, like an eighty ten, an eighty what eighty percent that he would have stayed in OKC. <laughs> okay. And then fifteen percent he would have gone to the Warriors. Right. And then five percent he would go anywhere else. Right. Um, I was surprised when he went to the Warriors. Like I got up called my sister, started running around the house, just screaming <laughs> expletives that I cannot say. And then I like thought about it and I was like, crap, like you all, like already there are so many, like there's so much, there's so much hate to the Warriors right. because they're good. Yeah. They're really good. And they're going to be unstoppably good this the, year. The pressure's going to get real it's though. It's going to be real. But like, if like just looking at the pieces that they have, it doesn't like, it is mo- going to be the most beautiful basketball yeah, I've I seen agree. in my entire life. It's going to be textbook, pretty basketball flip card of that, that I'm not it's ticket, 
ticket prices are going to be super, super expensive. And, you know, back when in the We Believe Warriors, which that was my first uh, playoffs that I went to. I went to as a fan. I wore the white shirts and everything. Um, those tickets were not very – I mean, they were playoff price tickets, but they weren't super expensive. And when you look around the arena now – it's just a very different atmosphere. The, I, one of my good friends, Nate Parham, at Golden State of Mind, he's the editor-in-chief over there, the SB Nation blog for the Warriors. Mm -hmm. And it, we talk about this a lot because I didn't – at Summer League, I didn't realize how big of a move this move is going to be, not this year, but the year after moving over uh, to the yeah, other side. And, and what a different demographic and the prices and stuff. And it is kind of – it does remind me a little bit of an underground band that had a nice 10-year run. Yeah. And they were like the darling of the underground. And then they made it big. Yeah. And now yeah. like the underground guys can't afford to go to the exactly. show because now it's a $100 ticket. It's kind of – it's a little bit – and uh, there was a really great article in the uh, San Francisco Chronicle about that, about just kind of the gentrification of the arena, for yeah. lack of a better word. Right. It's, 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 that's <laughs> how you would put yeah, it yeah, yeah. so it's completely different those are all my thoughts <laughs> yeah that's interesting what about another another lightning round question some of your idols or role models in journalism uh ramona shelburne uh who is with espn uh lee jenkins at si uh rosgold on wude who's the sideline reporter for the warriors lee jenkins is the guy that like everybody answers on that one mm -hmm. and, and that, i'm not that's not a knock Lee's on him. i'm great. saying i'm saying he's like universally loved by i think every writer yeah and uh, and admired mark spears would be oh okay my, who started former at, post yeah, yeah. The post, yep. so did you know him before the post uh, yes i did because he's the, in oakland gotcha now. okay yeah. terrific i've actually never met him he's great uh, i'll have to i know a lot of the other stiffs know him Last one. Biggest passion outside of sports and journalism? I'm supposed to have passion outside of sports and journalism. <laughs> That's a good answer. There's got to be like one random thing. Um, I mean, I, I, really like to, I really like to go and I like to run and work out a lot. Um, not just like Running. in the gym like yeah. that. Uh, I just, I get it from my dad and like okay. we go like rock climbing together and like things like that. Like I get antsy if I don't do something. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I get antsy if I have to do something. <laughs> I'm teasing. Well, that was a lot of fun. Malika, you were a phenomenal guest, a uh, phenomenal writer. Everybody follow her on Twitter. What is the, the handle? Off At of? Malika underscore Andrews. See, I'm an underscore too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you should know. Somebody, there's somebody that has Adam Mares and they have never tweeted. So, it's annoying. So <laughs> <laughs> it's your fan. It's your biggest fan. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thanks so much for coming on. Everybody, we'll have another one coming up next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Connect with others who work for themselves. Connect with like minds, new ideas, and fellow creators. Connect with innovators, industry experts, mentors, and potential partners. Connect with risk takers, connect with opportunity and new possibilities. Connect with your inner leader, explorer, or inventor. Connect with what your business needs to succeed at QuickBooks Connect. Join us November 6th at the San Jose Convention Center. QuickBooks Connect, backing your path to success. Register now at quickbooksconnect.com. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius.
One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.